Hello, everybody, and welcome back to episode 94 of the Everton Motor Racing Podcast. Um, numbers, riders of number 94, please. Um, rather Come appropriate on. for this weekend, yeah. right? Mr. Yeah. Jonas Olga. Olga, mm-hmm. indeed. And that's it, I'm out now. Lauren had no idea about that one. <laughs> oh my God, there's no How way. I just that? watched the whole weekend of bikes and didn't pick up on that. <laughs> oh dear. Yeah. Oh God, if people could see my face right there. <laughs> <laughs> the realisation like, oh, oh shit. Dear. Yeah. <laughs> Awkward. We have, there is a very famous, another 94 actually. There's not in GP. They do ride motorbikes though. Um, on mud, I'll give you a hint. They ride on mud, on oh. dirt. Maybe in you know, indoor arenas uh, for oh. half the year, and then they go outdoors as well. They race in America. They're German. Um, and he fucked his arm up years ago to the point where it nearly got uh, amputated, and then he managed to come back and win races. I bet if you say it, I'm going to kick myself. But go Jacob on. would be like, if Jacob was on it, he'd be like, oh my God, he'd be on it. He'd, be, he'd have been on it. <laughs> it's and Ken Roxon. Oh, okay. Um, Ken Roxon. No, I can't say I'm familiar. I do apologize. No. How do you not know who Ken Roxon is? What the I tell you man? why. Um, so my address is a rock and I live under it. So <laughs> Yours, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yes, hope you've had a good week. Uh, we are back. Um, and I'm already, I'm so ready for a rant today. Oh my word. Let's um, go. So we've had a weekend of MotoGP, <laughs> if you couldn't tell, in the Circuit of Americas without the king of Cota, Mark Marquez, which is a shame because yeah. I kind of wanted to see what he could do. And I was like, what did I say the other day? I think I said it maybe on last week's podcast, but I was like, oh, I literally think I said it on last week's podcast. I was like, oh, you know, it's a shame that Marquez will be missing Cota because it's pretty much Honda's only chance of a win this year, barring Sash and Ring. Yeah, I there think he did is. say that, that, actually. Yeah, yeah. 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 that yeah. sounds about right. Yeah, I'm now eating my words, aren't I? Again. Mm. <laughs> I mean, mm. God, would, I, I mean, surely Marquez was watching this, being like, "That could have been me." Yeah, could have been. Oh, can you? He Marquez was watching the race. Yeah. I wonder yeah. what he was feeling like, but I'm also wondering what Alex Marquez is feeling like, knowing that he rode that LCR Honda for years as well. Um. Well, he threw up in his helmet during the weekend, so I think that's yeah. pretty much how he feels about the situation. Yeah, I did see a photo of it all, like, Yeah, it was lovely, actually. Yeah, it was great. Uh, great viewing. But, yeah, so before we go into the rant, of course, Alex Rins. Alex guy. wins. Put some respect. Alex wins. Alex Big wins. W. Put respect on his name. What a go. Massive respect. Like... The fact that he's ridden in MotoGP and in line four for an entirety of his career, just three races on a V4, on the Honda, which is massively regarded as the worst bike on the grid, and wins the race in his third race. Fairly comfortably as well. Very comfortably with a massive, Mm -hmm. like a three second lead. Then it dropped a little bit and then he made it back when Luca Marini was chasing. He had that in the bag. That was all his all day long yeah superb I mean, like kind of lost for words with them really it's just like yeah. what, a, what a change for you know from Mugello 2021 where he binned it yet again and he yeah. was crashing into vans on his bicycle <laughs> yeah to, to this like that's a 
that's a good turnaround, I have to say. It's unbelievable. Like in 2022, literally, like he had a, well, in most, a lot of years, you know, 2021, like you said, he had four DNFs in a row, including, well, a crash in Jerez, but he finished. Catalonia obviously missed it. Then last year, again, he crashed at Jerez and then DNF, 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 DNF did not start in Tashin Ring. Mm-hmm. Like, he, it's he was also <laughs> the only guy who could, well, I say could. He was the only one that did beat Peko in a dry race in the second half of last year when Peko yeah. was seemingly unstoppable. Yeah. He's the only one that did it. And uh, wait. Um, no one near Bashanini, did it? In the second uh-huh. half of the season. Yeah. Bashanini beat him at Sassan. Uh, 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 Catalan. No. Okay, um, maybe I've got that wrong. He was the only season. one that, who wasn't on a Ducati <laughs> that could do it there. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, in Australia and uh, Valencia, obviously, as well. Yeah. Not on a Ducati, well, though. And surely well, that makes Oliveira it more impressive. Yeah, that yeah, was a well, wet Jack, race. Jack Miller, wet, oh, Jack Miller won the wet as well. Yeah. yeah. The Nebashini won an Aragon. That was it. That's yeah. the one. That's yeah. the one. Yeah. I believe my point stands. But okay. Yeah, yeah, no, I, 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 I back you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'll give you it. Imagine yeah. he'd been on a Ducati. <laughs> well, he oh. might get a Ducati seat in a couple of years if he keeps riding like this. He's like, for me, probably one of the most underrated riders on the grid. By far. Yeah. Yeah. Massively He's starting underrated. to get the recognition, though, I think. Yeah, absolutely. And people seem I to think... love him as well. It's great. He's just a good character, yeah. a great character, if anything. Like, he's just fun-loving, like, I think everybody just roots for him to win. Like, for a while, to be honest, personally, I didn't really like him. I didn't really know why. He just kind of, like, when he talked, I was just a bit like, ugh. I just don't think you got to see his personality. Whereas no. now, because we've seen quite a lot of him and, like, podiums and wins, especially, um, like at the end of last season and the start of this season. In the last six races, he's won half of them. <laughs> oh my God. Just to put that <laughs> stat out there. Whoa. Like, oh my God. Pretty yeah. cool if you think about it. And I think in that, you've been able to see his personality because he's been on the podium. You see his interviews more, like he gets more of your screen time and you actually realise, mm, yeah, he's actually kind of cool and kind of funny right, and you know. has a good personality and seems to be a good guy, which bodes well. In MotoGP, when you have sure. personality, people love that. It's unbelievable, isn't it? Like, he's just, he's all right, you know? Like, yeah. Alex Rins, you're all right. <laughs> <laughs> you're all right. Oh, yeah, because he's totally right, listening mate. right now as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's definitely listening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Our mate, but, um, our mate Alex. Yep. Yeah, I mentioned earlier about eating my own words. So there's another rider who's making me eat my own words a bit, and that's Francesco Bagnaia. Who's like we said last week is a bit of an enigma in himself anyway, but I remember after when he absolutely wiped the floor with everybody in. I'm gonna go on a bit of a rant here, so yeah. So like he wiped the floor with everybody in the opening round of the season. I pulled him out, and you're like, oh my god, like this is it now. It's gonna be Bagnaia's year again. He's come back from 91 point deficit last year. Nothing can keep this man down now. Like he is gonna be on it this year and then he crashes out of the feature race in from second place in Argentina and you're like what the hell dude like Mm -hmm. surely you've sorted this pressure thing out now by now like what the hell's going on and so he comes to Cota and you're like right he's already thrown 20 points up the road he's lost the championship lead to Bezzecchi now there's no way he can do it again. There's no way. And then he goes into all the practices. He looks really fast. 
all throughout practice, he gets pole position with a new lap record and the only ever rider to do a 201 around the circuit. And you're like, there's no one else that's going to beat him around this circuit. There's a fat, long straight there as well. Does like he looks unbelievable around this circuit? Then he goes and does the sprint race and wins by nearly three seconds in a sprint race. Yeah, and you're like, oh my god, this guy, you know, he's learning again from his mistakes. He made a mistake, fair enough, but he's he's chill. He's like, okay, right, I've done it again, despite you know doing the one thing I shouldn't have been doing in 2021 and 2022. I'm gonna stop making these errors now, and then he goes and stacks it from P1 with a decent enough lead and in the feature the race and then goes and blames the Ducati this is the <laughs> saying issue. that it's too stable you're like yeah. what Ooh. it's a hundred percent not my fault what I do know. you mean Those what words. do you mean you're on the best bike on the grid by a probably the margin. best MotoGP bike ever, ever created yeah 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 for for in, in a non-sentimental view yeah absolutely yeah. in terms of technical machinery that thing yeah. is well i mean clearly it's the, the fastest bike that you can be on hmm. and it, what was it he said it's too stable so he didn't yeah. know when the, it's on the I'll edge get the quote Come here on. now i'm just removing the motorsport.com paywall and i'll read it out to you um so lewis duncan yeah. has written basically the quote is that I don't know what happened I did what the hell I don't know what happened I did I don't know how many laps this weekend maybe 80 maybe 100 pushing controlling understanding any feedback from the bike anytime I lost the front during the weekend and then the race was in total control when I crashed so I'm very angry but not with myself because I'm 100% sure it was not my fault today in Argentina I recognised I was a bit on the limit but today not today something happened but not in terms of a cold tyre or the wind so he's ruled out cold tyre of the wind straight away because I was like maybe it's a wind because that would caught a few riders out we have to understand from the bike because we have the best bike it's the best bike on the grid but if you crash and you don't know why it's useless because I lost 45 points in two weekends so we have to understand that maybe we need a more unstable bike I prefer to go one tenth closer so lose a tenth, but understand everything because right now it's very difficult because I feel unbeatable. I feel I can do everything. So like today I was going fast without taking any risk, without doing anything crazy, entering a very calm corner too because I knew it was more slippery and I still crashed. So I really hope my team will help me because I'm sure the performance of GP23 is incredible. <laughs> the best bike I've ever ridden, but for the race we need to understand what happened. That I didn't know there was more to this quote. I thought it cut off by him saying that it wasn't his fault. I didn't know there was more to this. Yeah. Oh my God. Like, oh, there's a bit more actually. Hold on. Oh. Maybe it has too much of a filter because it's so stable. Like I said, you feel that you can do everything better because I feel unbeatable on my bike. Doing a time attack, managing tires. Yesterday we demonstrated everything was perfect. Whole weekend was perfect. When I decided to push, I was doing 203s. And when I opened the gap, I was consistently 203.4, 203.5. So maybe we have to lose a bit of stability to lose a bit of the filter to be more in the tires. And Cecilia, this bike is perfect. But if you crash and lose 45 points, something is not perfect. I think... And then he basically went on to say he's lucky that two title contenders are out. <laughs> what? Oh my God. What was it we were oh saying God. last year about the sort of petulance that you seem to get every now and then with Pecco? Like, this is it. This is it sort of, you know, and it's just indicative of his, I don't know, is he getting like frustrated and sort of in his own head already? This guy... Three rounds in. 
Lauren, are you going to say um, something? Well, no. <laughs> like I'm speechless, I, actually, now, to be honest. Yeah. Like, how can you... I guarantee, right, because Martin's on the bike, Zarko's on the bike, Bastianini's meant to be on the bike, but hasn't really been able to ride it. I don't hear any of them complaining about it. Obviously, Martin hasn't really been able to prove anything because he keeps stacking it. Um, but Zarko... He's been good, apart from this good. weekend, but... He didn't yeah, have any not. of the same complaints as Paco, so it doesn't really make sense. Yeah, and I understand like different riding fi- riding styles and things like that. They always come into play, but like, careful just... what you wish for. Maybe we need a bit more <laughs> instability. Like, Rins, like if... who won the race on that Honda is probably like, "I'll if you want to swap, I'll take it. That's yeah, fine. I yeah, will sure. take it. <laughs> Give it a go. Literally, if you want an unstable bike, go and fucking sit on a Honda, mate. Because like, Jesus, I. I don't understand how you can slate the bike like that. Like, I understand from Fabio's point where Fabio was slating the bike and saying there was no acceleration, it was just losing top speed and things like that. And I get that completely, but to say your bike is too good and you have no feeling, it just seems like a Peco problem. (laughs) It's just like, without being horrible, it's like you've ruled out every possibility that it could be and you're going, I don't understand what's going on. But maybe you do need to take a look in the mirror and be like, well, if I've ruled everything out and I haven't found an issue, but you're saying it's not yourself, have you looked into yourself and what you're thinking and how you're performing? Because at the minute, the only issue I see is Peko's head has gone, clearly, but only in the main Mm. race. It's really confusing. Yeah, the the one where in theory the pressure is on more. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like, it all boils down to bike's perfect. We've lost 45 points. Wasn't me. But there's your <laughs> contradiction of terms there. Yeah. It wasn't me, but the bike's perfect. So, yeah. I mean, it, yeah, it's it's, it's, it's the, the old thing, pickle problem, isn't it? That's what's yeah, happening. I don't understand him. Like, you know, he goes on about, you know, not in a sports psychiatrist and stuff like that because he's like, oh, yeah, everybody else has a motherly And then he does, does crashes like this. And like, we mentioned last time about him struggling with pressure and things like that. And the guy just loses his head constantly. Like, if anybody should have felt pressure this weekend in that main race, it was Alex Rins because he was yeah. following the guy yeah. who had just dis- demolished everyone in the sprint race and set pole with the fastest ever lap of the circuit. Alex Rins could have cruised for a second and it would have been still an unbelievably good result oh, yeah. for him and for everybody. All Peko had to do was cross, cross the finishing line and set X amount of laps. And to then blame the tyres, saying that you can't really feel it and things like that. Like, But it was okay on this in the sprint race. You, he crashed out in lap seven. The sprint race was 12 laps. Yeah. That doesn't make any sense. Like, you know, if, he'd crashed, compound, if yeah. he'd crashed later in the race, you go, okay, well, he doesn't have that sort of data. He hasn't ridden the bike for that long. Um, mm. And they didn't... Maybe he went for the wrong tire compound or something like that would yeah. make yeah. sense. And the the sprint race was hotter as well, right? So in theory, yeah. there was less grip in the in yeah. the sprint race. It yeah, was to the point where it was kind of greasy. It was so hot, yeah. it was greasy. Cooler tracks, yeah, a bit grippier. Most of the riders in the sprint race use a soft tire because I mean it makes sense. Well, yeah, yeah. Um, let's have a look. Humidity, yeah, thirty degrees air temperature. Uh, for the sprint race and ground 45 but ground was 41 
mm. in the main race, but then it was four, 21 in the air temperature. Mm. And they would have been using a medium tyre instead of the soft tyre, which again would make sense. But, or medium, maybe hard. I don't know actually specifically what he used. I'm trying to find it now, but I, I'm struggling. Mm. Um, who, who else binned it in turn two though? Anyone in the race? Um, let's have a look. I'm just trying to remember the top of my head. Alex Leish was a bit further on. Bradle was T... Uh, where was Bradle? I'm not sure. Nakagami was T1. Binder was like later on the lap. Mir was like T4 or 5. Miller was like T9 or something like that. Turn 12 Martin a and as well. Alicia was, yeah. Martin and Alex Marcus, sorry, was a bit earlier in the lap, but it wasn't T2. There was a but few riders who had issues there. There was a lot of riders across the weekend who had near, near crashes. Ortola was obviously one of them. Yeah. I think Fermin Elder got a massive crash there early in the weekend. Mm-hmm. But... But if it was a Ducati problem, there's eight of them on the grid. Surely another one would have went down there if the Ducati yeah. couldn't do it. I don't know. Yeah, you just think there there would be a, a theme, like a reoccurring theme mm. throughout the weekend that the, like it would have been a reoccurring issue. But he said it himself that obviously he felt so good all weekend. He was riding pretty much perfect. Yeah, and, he was. And all the other bikes too is the thing. Like... No one else was matching him, but no one else was having a problem that matches up to the issue that he had in the race. Yeah. So, I don't know. I don't know. To say you're no. unbeatable, that you feel unbeatable the rest of the time, I think it's... The more I'm thinking about it, the more I'm actually getting quite annoyed about this situation. Like <laughs> That's so rich, but... Um, it's, okay. no, it's arrogant but I think he has the right to be arrogant because of his achievements last year oh yeah but, and it's early that's the thing like it's three races in at the end mm. of the day you know Marco Bezzecchi could do the same thing in a couple in a couple races and just like that boom Peck was back in the lead you know that's the person he's got to beat at the minute so unless someone else comes in and takes over and becomes really dominant Peck still has a very very long chance oh, yeah. to be he's dominant like 11 back. get over it maybe he's doing what he did last year sandbagging <laughs> and then just it's like he hates the opening six rounds seven yeah. eight rounds of the season and then he's like all right let's go again could like, be sandbagging maybe but it's weird like we had three races 111 points on the off on offer so far and Bazzetti's only scored 64 of them so weird. it's there's a lot of riding that can be done there's a lot of points to be made up, sorry, by anybody. The fact that Rins has mm. freaking third in the championship at 47, only six behind Bang Nighter, yep. is nuts. The fact that Vinales has four 45 points, so two behind Rins, it reminds me of 2020, 2020 a little bit, where it's kind of anyone's game at the moment. Yeah. You've got, if you look in that top 10, to be honest, the only, like, you've got Bang Nighter and Bang Nighter in second, Cotterow in seventh, but everybody else there has a genuine shot. I think. I think. Yeah. Everyone if, if, does, though. With all these points I on think. offer, including yeah. the sprints, it's going to be, it's going to be a, a consistency win this year yeah. again, like in 2020. Yeah, of course. Um, yeah. And it will be interesting. I think Luca Marini is. Um, it's come a good bit of Vinales for me. We'll step away from um, mm. <laughs> what's his face a little bit, Pecco, for a little what's bit. What's his face? <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> what's his face, Pecco? You know, the, the current MotoGP world champion, you know. <laughs> um, Vinales is 
intriguing me <sighs> a lot yeah. because he had a shit start in the race and he's complained about the same thing in the sprint race as well but has this thing where he can obviously make up a lot of places and he had a missing wing in the race as well and still finished fourth place after being dunked off the start and was like 12th, 13th yeah. and managed to make it up to fourth with a wing missing absolutely in- with insane like I, yeah like, I don't know how if I feel he can sort these starts obviously everything's ifs and buts and da 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 but Vinales for me is a dark horse this year. Like he struggled in the other team of twelfth and then a seventh. But when we go back to Europe next time round in in Hareth, um, I think he is very much a dark horse because Rins, I can't see him being too consistent on that Honda. No. Bagnaya is Bagnaya. <laughs> Bazzetti isn't expected to do anything special because he's on last year's bike. He's very talented, of course, but that's the great thing about MotoGP is the riders who don't expect to do amazing things go and do amazing things. Fabio Quartararo is a perfect example of that. Mm-hmm. Vinales, though, I think if he can continue this form, he's already got a second in Portimao as well and start to kind of rack up some consistent podiums, rack up some consistent wins and f- most importantly, get those starts sorted out. I really do think he's going to be a dark horse this year. Especially yeah. to go through the pack like he did. Yeah. I think the problem with Maverick Vinales though is that he's his own worst enemy. <laughs> yeah. Like if that bike ain't perfect, nah. If the conditions aren't perfect, if he maybe hasn't done his warm up right on that day, if someone has said something to him wrong, if someone's bloody looked at him the wrong way before the race <laughs> starts, I feel like that affects him. If his if his toast isn't buttered the right way, honestly. Exactly. His coffee's cold. I don't know what it is, but he seems to have a reoccurring issue and it seems to be he's in his own head a lot of the time. And if he did start at the front, I really do think that he would be pretty unstoppable because the Aprilia is obviously there and we're coming into like second, third season of it sort of being there and being a, a front bike. But, I don't know. What's confusing me more though is a leash because I really thought it would be a leash in Maverick's position. Yeah, it's, and it's almost not. as if a leash is like suffering from success of last year. The expectations. Yeah. He crashed um, out of the main race today. Um, out of he was in third place at one point during the opening lap. Crashed in the yeah. opening lap, unfortunately. Yeah. Did get fourth in the sprint race. It's almost like. It's again. I don't want to speak. It's only been three races in a day, and I've, we're all speculating and things like that because you kind of have to this early on. But it's almost like his career has peaked, mm. and I don't know if he can do it again. I'd love to see it, but with a fifteenth in Argentina and another DNF in the main race, you yeah. know, and a retirement in the main race here, he got a great fourth place, battling with Jorge Martin for the podium in the sprint race, which is fantastic. But he needs to, I guess, these tracks are always anonym, anonymalies, anonymalies. I can't say that word. Anonymalies. There you oh, go. good. Anonymalies. Yeah. Anonymalies. There you go. I because don't know if you that's can't. Quite I even, don't think anonymal, you're right. I don't think it's right at all. But anonymalies. 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 An
these two tracks, at least, Argentina and America, are definitely out-of-the-box tracks. You see surprise results, and you see riders kind of doing things that are not meant to. And then when we go back to the swing of things in Europe, Jerez, Le Mans, uh, Mugello, you've got yeah. Sashin Ring, you've got Assen. That's the tracks that the riders know very well. The conditions are very same across Europe. Yeah. The conditions the riders are very used to, and that's when we'll probably see Aleish kind of come back to the fore, and I'd love to see that for him. But with Miguel Oliveira knocking on his doorstep already, with two points behind him in the championship, finishing in fifth place overall. Yeah. He wants that seat. Miguel is yeah. hungry for that factory seat. He's on last year's bike as well, don't forget. But last year's bike was good. It was very like, good. I don't know if Aprilia made that much of a step forward this year. I don't think they had to because the bike no. was so good last year. Mm. Yeah, but... Keeping on Aprilia, they are still having the same issues as last year. Ralph Fernandez and Aleish both had issues with their rear height device, mm. which is why Aleish crashed from the race because his rear height device didn't sort itself out. You saw it last year in Sasha Ming, it cost Vinales' race. Yeah. You know, we saw it with Aleish a few times last year as well. And it's Aprilia and this rear height, ride height device, they just seem to be having problems with it. Which maybe is why Vidal's start as well was horrendous as well. We don't actually know. Mm. I haven't got anything concrete on that one, but... Are they... Like, are they, are they so if some of them got a different setup, because I know some of them are done via GPS, right? And then some of them are done manually. Am I right in saying that? Most of them are done manually, but yeah, some can be done by a GPS, but 90% of them are just the buttons on the... Um, yeah. I don't know if there's a sort of link there, if Raul and yeah. Aleish had like a GPS one or something. I don't know. but Yeah, because they're probably, as I believe, and unfortunately we haven't got Jacob to confirm. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think Aprilia's one is a little bit different in the fact that they do have something to do with the GPS, which is why it's kind of getting stuck on. Because mm. I remember something about Vinales' electronics messing up last year, which is why he had an issue with it. But obviously, you can't confirm that for a fact. Um but it just seems to be that, I don't know, is Aleish, Aleish, has he, has he peaked already? I hope not. I think he's done what he's needed to do for Aprilia. Yeah. Yeah. To I make them front runners. Like maybe we all sort of got lost in the dream of him becoming a world champion and a multiple time race winner. But when you actually look what he's done for Aprilia, like maybe that's all it's meant to be. But in saying that, it's, pretty darn good to be a part of that oh yeah and mm -hmm. to have your name to that so i don't know i get it's a bit early to say but maybe this is all he was meant to do for aprilia yeah, yeah and, and i said this is all he's meant season. to do as if he's done nothing but like he's developed that bike to being a race winning bike so like he deserves all the credit i think yeah absolutely i agree and i think you know he's done really well where he is and if he doesn't ever reach those heights again it's fine because he's, yeah. he's like you said, done what he needs to do. And I think Alicia's in a point of a career as well where he's kind of maybe looking to step back a little bit. He's 33, he's one of the oldest riders on the grid and stuff like that. And if that is just the year that he gets and that's the year of his, all the accumulation of his hard work, like we're talking like this, like we haven't got 19 more rounds, no, 17 more <laughs> rounds, 18 more rounds, but... We're being dramatic. We are being dramatic. We're always being dramatic. But it's kind of like... I want to see him. I think he will fight for podiums and wins this year, definitely. Yeah. I can't see that out of the occasion, but will he be fourth place in the championship again this year? 
Not sure about that at the moment, but as we know in MotoGP, anything can happen. And it's all speculation because that's all we can do. Isn't it fun? Isn't it fun? <laughs> but Vinales, <laughs> Vinales of 45 points to his name and nearly triple the tally of Aleish yeah. is very telling on th- what Aprilia can do. Yeah, I think they'll swap places this year. Yeah. In terms of like performance. Hierarchy and, and things are. Yeah, being up there. I think if Elish does decide to take a step back, you know, now they've got Miguel Oliveira in the satellite team. Like you've got yeah. a rider to take that spot who's proving to do very well on your satellite bike. So it's sort of a win-win situation for Apulia. They've had someone who's managed to bring the bike up to the front and now they've got riders in their in their ranks on the sidelines. In their ranks that can do it, yeah. Yeah, yep. waiting to step up. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Um, speaking of riders that are looking to step up, Luca Marini is um, impressed and has finally made that step up onto the podium. We Good finally, segue. Like, nice. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, thank you, thank you, thank you. <laughs> um, he has been knocking on that door for ages now, that yeah. podium. Very nearly got one at Austria when Brad Binder won, won the race and then mm. those insane conditions. Um, it's in nice to see as well, I think. Last time Rins won at this circuit, he was battling Valentino Rossi. Yeah. Fast forward a few years later and he's battling his brother. What? For the same win. And Rins, I believe it was Rins, I can't, one of them said... I think it was Rins, said that Marini was worse You're than worse Valentino. than your brother. <laughs> what did he mean by that? Like, You're worse than your brother was the quote. I just don't know who said it. Yeah. No, I don't know who said it either, but I'm like, oh. I think Rins, if, Rins if, said it to Marini, right? Yeah, I'm, I'm sure, sure he that. did, yeah. It was either that or Fabio Cotteraro. Is, I think maybe Fabio said it. It made more sense to, for Fabio to say it, it, but... I saw the quote, but I haven't actually seen who's seen it. Let's have a look. Hmm. Let's have a... I, I can't bother to find it. But I just yeah, didn't one of click it. on the video when I <laughs> No, I didn't either. <laughs> We're so I was like, oh, interesting, <laughs> and just scroll past. Yeah, but if Marini is worse than Valentino, he's got a fire in him we haven't seen yet. He just seems so laid back. He does. Like, it just seems chill. Like, it almost feels like he doesn't care about it, which yeah, I know like, is uh, not the truth whatsoever. <laughs> but even in his after race interviews, I was just like, he just wants to go open a beer and like chill out on a sofa. Yeah, chill out like he doesn't look like he wants to go celebrate. He doesn't seem that ecstatic about it. But at the same time, it was like a faultless race, and it's really impressive from him. I thought he'd I'm be a bit dec- more animated like oh my god yeah he's a, yeah. he's a funny one but maybe that is the case and like he looks chill da, 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 but under that helmet when he is riding he is like I mean, that's when the devil quick. comes yeah. out you know he deserves to be yeah. there and he is fast oh yeah, yeah 100% and, he's just the polar opposite to his brother is the thing literally. like they are just <laughs> complete different people which I mean obviously yes but it's it's weird to see. I think people sort of maybe I have that expectation of him to be a bit more bubbly personality, but they are yeah. polar opposites of each other. It is interesting. It's weird as well that that it's not the same father they share of Graziano Rossi, who was the ex Grand Prix racer. It's the same mother they have. Yeah. So it's not even like Marini's got his speed from the dad as well. It's because he's got it from his mother. <laughs> I'd say I'd say it's all down to the mum anyway. Yeah, I Woman think that's probably why Marini's so yeah. chill out. You know. Yeah, yeah I'd say so. Yeah. Yeah. But um, 
that Ducati speed though on the straight when he overtook Pecco, no, when he overtook Quattararo, sorry, was unbelievable. Embarrassing. Was, it was like he was on the Moto2 bike. In my helmet, if, <laughs> if I, I was Fabio <laughs> Quattararo. If I were Lynn like, Jarvis, I'd be like, oh. Yeah, because I believe <laughs> Ducati, obviously they have the, like their mappings, as we know. They have got like a DRS thing, have like they? F1 do. Mm. Basically, there is a mapping on that Ducati where you can set it to like overtake mode you can only use it a few times a race because it literally burns few fuel like nothing else and marini clearly used that on the straight and just absolutely gone hammered past cotteraro and you've got to think like fabio's just a sitting duck at that point he is like i can't do anything right now it doesn't matter how hard he rides how well cotteraro breaks how late he breaks and things like that because that was his thing Back in 2019, 2020, Quattararo's thing was that he could outbreak pretty much anybody on that grid. Mm -hmm. That was where he made up his time. But now he can't do that. Now he's breaking too late and nearly crashing or running wide and having all these problems and overcooking his tyres because he's having to break too late. And he literally, at this point, is a sitting duck. He can't do anything against he has no weapons at this point it's literally like bringing a knife to a gunfight for Fabio yep <laughs> awkward but I don't want to bring it back to Pekka Bangai but did he not say something along the lines of that Fabio's in the same position as that he was last year or Who am was? I making that up Fabio's that in the Fabio's same position Fabio's now in the same position that Pekka is as that he Pekka can't do in. anything on the bike do you remember Ducati had that weird start to the season last yeah. year yeah. Mm. Yeah. And Pecco didn't like the new bike. Yes, I remember that. I'm not sure. I'll, I'll have a look quick. Um I can see that being the case. But then also, you know, it can't be the be-all and end-all because Rins was like one of the slowest on average on this big trap and he won the race. So then what gives Yamaha? What's the deal? Yeah. yeah. The thing is with Fabio is he has said that... Um, the bike hasn't really changed in the four years he's ridden it. Mm. That's worrying. Very worrying. I genuinely think he'd do better on the 2019 bike. <laughs> do you? Yeah. Oh, I think it's, it's, Franco was struggling on that though, wasn't he? Franco could not ride that thing. The 2019 2021. Bike. Yeah, because that was the bike that Jay Dixon and Davizioso and Cal Crutchlow and all that rode um, when Franco got pinged up to the factory bike. I see. Well, I don't know, but it, I just think even the 2020 bike... Maybe it's, it's just it's not he's clearly it's not going in the direction it needs to mm. and like a comfortable rider can go f you know they're, they're just faster fast rider. yeah exactly a happy rider is a fast rider all that thing but yeah, yeah, it's like true. yeah once you if you gel with a bike that's worth half a second a lap do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, but that's what yeah. happened to Alex Rins this weekend because mm -hmm. he, like, the rider made the difference this weekend and it's simply because he loves the Circuit of Americas is yep. what made the difference and that's why he won the race. Whereas I think with Fabio, we've seen it, what, from the last sort of five races last season to now the first three races this season, he's not comfortable on the bike. Yep. He doesn't look comfortable. He doesn't look, I don't know, he doesn't look like Fabio Quattararo on the bike anymore. And I think that's a massive thing. He can't make yeah, the difference. Yeah. yeah. I wonder if he's regretting not switching manufacturers. I wonder what offers were on the table. All of them. I reckon Ducati had one. Mm -hmm. I don't I don't know. Honda, definitely. There was definitely a rumor oh, yeah. of him and Honda. Yeah. 
Um, thinking of Honda, because I was going to ask this earlier, was signing Mir the best option over Rins? I think because obviously they went for Rins over previous experiences. He's a two-time world champion, Moto3 and MotoGP. He's a MotoGP race winner. On paper, Mir is the man to hire. Mm-hmm. I think Rins being an LCR is amazing because there's no pressure for him to perform. The family atmosphere with Lucio and all that is amazing. I think that's perfect for Rins. But for Honda, was Rins meant to go to the factory bike? I don't think you would have got that performance from Rins on the factory bike. factory bike. Mm. It probably gets less say in what's going on. Yeah. Um, mm. Or he would have got less point. say, you know. The Repsol team probably they're probably a little bit more set in their Strict. ways. Do as we say, not yeah. we'll yeah. do what you say. This is what Mark says works at this track. So go out on that. Yeah, try it. Yeah, waste and do waste twenty laps on this setup. Try and get used to it. Yeah. you know, <laughs> riding like yeah. Mark Marquez rather than riding like yourself. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but so, Rins isn't riding like himself. No, he's, he's totally changed, changed his riding style. He's completely yeah. changed. His riding style is freaking fantastic. Nah. It's so I good. freaking love it. Yeah, he's just hanging all the way off. Like, yeah. oh my god, elbows sticking like he's gonna be. Mm. He's got a proper elbows. old school. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's proper old school riding style. Like, it's really nice to yeah. watch. To be honest, I think Honda did the right thing politically. They had to kind of choose the guy who's got the MotoGP title under his belt for yeah. the factory seat. They just kind of had to. It would have been yeah. harder to justify the other way. Um, but in terms of results, you have to say well, no. Well, you said Rins has won 50% of the last six races. Yeah, yeah. I, I fully think that this might be the kick that Honda needs though. I think it was the right decision at the end of the day. Yes, they obviously picked Mir to go to the Repsol team because he has the world championships, etc. But I think if LCR starts performing with Alex Rins, Honda is going to take note of that. And mm. they're actually going to start listening to Rins. There's clearly something that he's doing right. If he can start putting in some solid, consistent performances, Honda are going to have to take notice from it. And I think they will finally start listening to their riders and make changes to the bike. So I think in that sense, they made the right decision because I think if... Like we said, if Rins went to the factory team, I don't think he'd get as much say as what he's getting now. And if he continues to put results in, people are going to have to listen and they're going to have yeah. to change and adapt. Yep. Yeah. And I mean, thing with Rins is he has been incredible for Honda. The fact that he was all dead last in that test. Yeah. Yeah. And they brought in the Valencia test and they brought Ken Karachi in as well. Um, and. I'm sorry, really sorry if I've butchered his name. I don't think I have, but I'm apologies if I have. Um, from Suzuki, who Rins worked with amazingly, you know, and Rins even said in an interview that Ken knows him like the back of his hand. There is no person in that paddock that knows Rins like Ken. Yeah. And Ken can obviously do everything he can. And same with, same with Mir, of course, to then adapt the bikes to these riders and their riding styles and things like that. And it's clearly working with Rins, who I was like, he is... Like, after Valencia, I was like, this man, I don't actually think he's ever going to win another race. I was like, you know, after the euphoria of winning two of the last three races of the, of the season yeah. and all that Suzuki stuff where he won them, the final race and all that, and you're like, this guy is on such good form now and it's going to go down the toilet on that Honda. And it just seems like he's managing to turn 
the impossible into the possible. Yeah. That's really Not it. Not much to say about <laughs> it. Like it's, no. <laughs> yeah. He's, yeah. I think yeah. he's the GOAT. Put him in the Hall yeah. of Fame already. He deserves he's class. it. He deserves class. the title. Um, yeah, I, yeah, I'd love to see it, especially after 2020 when he nearly got in, lost out. Um, speaking of another rider who nearly won the championship in 2020 and lost out, Frank Morbidelli, who was unable to repeat the performances we saw in Austin, um, Austin Jesus Christ, in Argentina. Argentina. Mm. Yeah. Oh God, I really hope it wasn't just a fluke for Frankie. Well, him and Fabio swapped places this week. Basically. They did. They, bo- yeah. they both had a crap start to the season in the first race. Franco had a fantastic weekend in Argentina. Now Fabio's. Well, I know the sprint race wasn't good, but the main race was good, and that's what matters. Big points. So I don't know. Moving forward, is it going to continue like this? Is one going to perform yeah. well one weekend and then sort of it flip flops around? I'm not sure. Yeah. But I am well, disappointed that he hasn't backed it up. Yeah. Yeah, I think. The thing is as well with Franco, which is a bit worrying, is the fact that Top Rack has obviously tested the bike recently, which Lynn Jarvis came out and basically said, we are fully focused on Frankie. He basically just said that the Jorge Martin rumours are just rumours and that's it for the time being. But how often have we heard that? I um, think they'll be looking at Modo too. I'm not, like, not going into it too much because obviously we've spoken about it in a million podcast episodes yeah. now, but... They're going to have to be looking at Moodle too. Yeah. Rather than yeah. bringing Top Rack in. So. Yeah, of course. Um, Franco has actually blamed the tyres for the um, his issues. Basically, wow. he said that he could, he had the feeling his bike wasn't very good, but he had to be aggressive right away. Um, but then saved himself because he saw everybody crashing and wanted to just take an eighth instead of just stuck it down the road. But he did say there was some issues with his tyres and things like that and the Michelin just weren't giving him the feeling that he was after. Um, there we go. I mean, um, the, the, he basically said, the quote is, the races, I'm literally translating this off the top of my head right now, uh, the races would be more fun if the tyres worked. Well. <laughs> I mean, we'll see what happens at Europe when we get to Jerez, you know, because yeah. obviously Austin, the surface is terrible i can't imagine that track suiting frankie at all because he likes to be smooth and that track is well it's a motocross track without the dirt. Yeah. yeah it's um yeah i just can't I, frankie was never going to have a good weekend there even if the yamaha was the best bike on the grid he wouldn't have won no if he was no, on form it, it was not it's just not a track for him. So I'll take... Jerez will be good for him, though. He's always been good there on Jerez. Yeah. Even when they was on that shit 2019 bike in 2021. Yeah, he's good like... to corner to corner and, and sort of edge to yeah. edge. Yeah, he's good with that stuff. He's Getting the flow and the rhythm. He's good with that. Yeah. yeah. Um, Yamaha in general yeah. should be better. I'm hoping for a, a step up. Yeah, Fabio has always done well at Jerez. Exactly. So yeah. I'm really hoping for a good one from Fabio. Um, and speaking of Haref, I'm doing these segues quite well. Oh. Speaking of, uh, was it the Haref? Uh, Haref race winner from a few years ago, Jack Miller, oh. <laughs> crashed from third place on the KTM, mm. but has said that yes, he crashed and was a bit sad about that, but he's freaking overwhelmed and overjoyed by the fact that he was freaking third place. Yeah. On the I KTM, in his third race yeah. on the bike. He is doing wonders on that bike. He has done. I think 
him crashing out of third place and making a mistake pushing hard makes more sense than Peko crashing out of first place. Like I can put yeah. it together. KTM don't like the Circuit of Americas. They never like the Circuit of Americas. I think it would suit Jack a bit better. Like they seem to be yeah. having a better weekend. They got a podium weekend. there last year after all. So Yeah, they seem to be having a better weekend and then it sort of all just fell apart because obviously both riders crashed. I mean, Binder managed to get some points basically just by getting back on the bike <laughs> and riding around, having a cup of tea. But I mean, yeah, yeah it's really positive from Jack, even though he crashed. Like, I really, think really he'll positive. win a race. I think he'll win this year. Yeah. Um, and then... That would make him. That would give him, like, pretty that'd be, it'd be the first ever. Would it be the first ever to win on three? Maybe the first yeah, three. ever MotoGP class. So uh, they've done it in the five hundreds and things like that. Right. But the first ride in the MotoGP era, solely yeah. MotoGP era, because um, I think it was Caparossi won two five hundred CCs and then one on the Ducati because mm. um, he won Yamaha. I think it was Honda Caparossi and then Ducati. Yeah. Um, but Jack Miller would be the first ever MotoGP only error to win on three manufacturers. Maverick correct. could do it. Maverick as well can do it, yeah. Ooh. But that's it. Both, yeah. yeah, that's mm. the only ones. Rossi nearly did it, couldn't. Um, there's a few riders who really nearly could, but didn't. Lorenzo, maybe. Um, but... Jorge Lorenzo, yeah. If but, Alex Rins switches again, he'll get it. Or the Ducati. Alex yeah. Rins <laughs> has the advantage, right? He could just jump on a Ducati. Yeah, yeah. He's already done it on the bike, so like can't really do it or could do it sometimes. So now he can hop on a good bike and just bang it in freaking Qatar, you know? Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's great from Miller, and I'm hoping to see more of it. Uh, another ride I did really well was Marco Bezzecchi, took sixth place. Like, yes, maybe expect more from the title leader but the same way he's on last year's bike he's on a satellite bike he is not expected to be battling for wins every week because he's a satellite rider in the VR46 squad which is an independent team sixth place is actually really solid solid he, yeah yeah. he did the right thing like mm -hmm. he, yeah, he seemed, stayed on <laughs> it would have seen that Peko crashed he knows he's in the lead of the championship and he's going I'm going to bank some solid points here thanks Peko for giving me a bit of a boost yep. yeah yeah and um, it's a good job he did stay on. Um, I was just looking down the thing now. Rins was the only Honda that finished. Yeah. <laughs> Including Bradle. Ah, oh, Bradle crashed. crashed. Mia crashed. Oh. <laughs> like, Honda would be elated, but also like, oh my God. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they'll be having a serious meeting today about it, but like yesterday they would have been celebrating the hell out of it. But mm. oh, that's yeah. concerning. To that be honest. And if Rins wasn't concerning. on the LCR, all four bikes would have been yeah. in the gravel, I think. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And um, two more riders. Before we move on to Moto2, two more riders that did stack it as well was Alex Marquez and Jorge Martin. Marquez, obviously, it's weird to say Marquez was a an innocent party in a crash, isn't it? Because um, we're not talking about his brother taking somebody else out, but <laughs> but thankfully it was Alex getting taken out. I mean, that's not really thankful. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's not thankful. I don't want to see anyone get taken out, but you Jeez. know what I mean. <laughs> yeah, but Jorge Martin. Um, it's ironic, really, given the fact that he was slated Marquez for always taking people out last weekend, and then he goes and takes Alex out. It's as if it's a, a dangerous it's sport a where it's yeah, fine it's margins crazy, it? and these things happen. 
Yeah, exactly. It is. Uh, for me, I think it's just a racing incident and it's just wrong place, wrong time. Yep. Lap one, I think everything that happens on yeah, lap one is a racing yeah. incident. I know sometimes I get a bit pressed about lap one incidents and think the penalties should be handed out. But at the end of the day, lap yeah. one is a write-off. Like, yeah. yeah. 100%. But it's, yeah. it's annoying. And for Alex Marquez, it's really annoying. Like, he was under the weather all weekend, so I don't think he would have done anything spectacular. But points are points at the end of the day. And to have a really crap race on the Saturday where you've literally thrown up in your helmet and then crash out of the race that's bad yeah. you just want to bank some points on the Sunday but then to be taken out not even one lap into the race you're going to want to just go home and have a little yeah. cry to yourself oh just... yeah absolutely big cry it's a shame yeah. <laughs> I really think he could have done something really impressive this weekend Alex Marquez but that is racing after all yeah yeah yes. he will he will be back oh, in, yeah. in better form and harass definitely yeah I think so too so moving on to Moto2, um, I think the biggest talking point about Moto2 is the fact that Moto2 teams held an emergency meeting on the Saturday at the Grand Prix after seven bikes stopped suddenly without warning, causing dangerous situations on the track. Although the origin of the breakdown hasn't been located, it seems to be that basically it's a potential issue with the ECU and the electrical switch of a specific supplier they have not named I'm reading this from Motorsport from I can't even read his name Oriol Pugidimon uh, yeah that's definitely it. I can't read that oh my god but basically <laughs> saying that it's an issue between the electronic unit and the electrical switch of a supplier there are some bumps on the circuit which seem to be messing the bikes up bumps they're like freaking speed bumps what are you talking yeah. about yeah <laughs> some I mean. bumps yeah I, I I didn't see any of these things, but yeah, apparently it was Ayagura, um, who nearly got smashed into. Uh, Marcos Ramirez and Alcana had these issues. Um, and basically, Triumph basically set up a meeting and was like, what's the face going on? Mm-hmm. Um, basically, yeah, the, the bumps and also have increased the problem. Um, heat is the cause of the coil breaking inside the switch, causing the bikes to stop. Um, Jesus. It's terrifying. And I'm wondering yeah. if Jake Dixon's wall crash was to do with that. Maybe his bike locked up because he didn't even know what the hell went on. I mean, for Jake's sake, I hope it was because he said it himself in like after race interviews and stuff that he's not stupid and he no. wouldn't like he shouldn't be making mistakes like that. And when that happens and the rider says it's 100% not my fault, I agree with the rider in, yeah. in that case, definitely. And I would say it probably was something to do with that. Mm-hmm. And the fact that they sense. don't get a warm-up, so, you know. Yeah, I hate the fact that they don't get a warm-up. Something. Yeah. Like, Jake Dixon himself has gone on Twitter and basically scared, screw everybody who's commented on this and hating on me. Like, because at the end of the day, it's not really his fault, you know? Um, he's an e- Like, he's an easy target. I hate yeah. people yeah. that get on Jake like that. Like, he's a good guy. And I believe yes. him when he says he, it wasn't his fault. Yeah, it is a real shame. It's typical British style, and it. Josh Watley also stacked in the warm-up lap, which he has done previously as well. Um, yeah, it's just British riders. We all just look like freaking idiots, don't we? Like, we look at the BSB <laughs> series, and all these riders are, like, amazing. As soon as they go overseas, it's like, I don't know how to ride a motorbike. Like, just do stupid <laughs> stuff. Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, come on, man. That's <laughs> oh, a shame. Because yeah. he, yeah. Dixon's good at Kota as well. Yeah, yeah, he's where he got his first podium. Yeah, yeah he could have had some so. juicy points, but 
I don't know. It's, it's been a weird weekend. The racing yeah, has been, been odd. boring. Except maybe, you know, yeah, as always. Yeah, the racing's been boring and there's been weird <laughs> stuff. You know? Boring? Yeah. Oh, mate, both Mercury Parades are boring as shit. Oh, yeah. the sprint race was horrendous, <laughs> not gonna lie. Yeah. That's the, like, I still haven't made my mind up on it. Like, I'm glad it wasn't as chaotic as what it has been for the first two weeks, but the sprint race was boring. And if that ever happens again, I'm going to be really mad about it. Like, what's the point? No one but, should win like, a sprint I don't race think, by that I don't margin. think the main races were boring. I did. I <laughs> found them a bit boring, yeah, I can't lie. Even the Mercury Free, I was a bit like, eh. I enjoyed really? um, Arbolino and Acosta. That was good. That was good. That. that was good, yeah. Proper cat and mouse. Yeah. That was interesting. But, God, it was such a small fraction of, of the weekend, really. They should have showed what was going on behind yeah. Acosta and Arbolino a bit more. Though, I wanted to see that battle for third. That seemed more interesting. That? Like, for a lot of the race where Tony was ahead and Pedro was just following him, we didn't yeah. need to see that. Last three laps is when they should have cut back to the front. Yep. But for the yeah. rest of it, we should have seen from third place down because yeah, that was where was things chaos. were exciting. Yeah. Like, like, yeah, there's so much to go on about with that. Like, we'll go back to Pedro and Arbolino in a minute, but like, both Ben Schneider making up from what P six to P three on the final lap of the race. <laughs> Amazing. In like one corner, like, right? It's just yeah, right place, like, right time. Yeah, yeah, That's absolutely it. right place, right time. Which is about racing, you know. And yeah. can it can it absolutely sending it under Furman, riding through him, so then Furman absolutely dunked can it on the final <laughs> corner Good. to make his revenge. That's <laughs> it. Like, like, and you're like, I want to see all that. I don't want to see like, yes, okay, it's great to see it. These two at the front going for it and pushing themselves on the limit because they were fully on the limit. Um, but it's just like you want to see the battles behind. Like the fact that Fermin Aldegar, at 17 years old, was battling for podium as well. I think he's 18 now. He also wrecked his hand. The, Did he? He yeah, he had a big crash on Saturday, and apparently he's taken like the top of one of his fingers off or like the skin Eww. off the top of one of his fingers off oh I wasn't God. too sure that's what BT Sport was saying anyway I remember but seeing the crash it was gnarly yeah apparently it was quite nasty and yeah his hand wasn't in the best shape afterwards Eww. gnarly yeah I've literally just googled it now um we'll see the photos of the absolute smash Strength the hour. Please don't send it to me. I don't no, know. No, I haven't seen any photos of finger don't Lauren passes out okay, live like... on the podcast. <laughs> no, oh yeah. Laura doesn't Alex Lauren Marquez books everywhere. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I found a photo of the glove though. I'm all right. I don't need you to see it. You posted it. Oh, <laughs> um, the glove still yeah, contains like The finger. glove is like ripped open. Like, jeez. <laughs> Oh, he sends it anyway. I'm not opening that. Let's have a look. Yeah, but Oof. absolutely gnarly glove. Yeah, you can't see anything bad on it. Like, but um, yeah, but fair play. If Lavage. he managed to battle for third place, his first ever podium with that on his hand as well, damaged finger, because it was like a massive battle. Like the they're really close all of them can it just seem to lose his head yeah. and then as soon as he got involved with Aldego you're not going to win that because Aldego will literally just slap you up well, he's mental can it, yeah. can it seem like the rookie yeah he did like, he can it seem like point. the unexperienced one out of all this yeah all the sort of younger and can it's not old but like the younger up and coming talent that yeah. we've been speaking about that are sort of knocking on the doors of podium they made Aaron Callant look like a wee boy yeah, it's this. Well, there's a point I made the other week on the po podcast: the fact that Canet might get leapfrogged for MotoGP, 
Yeah. yeah. Because he can't, like, he's not even won a race yet. He's getting dunked by Alcoba, Salach, Aldegar, and Lopez, who are all in the class after him. Yeah. And he's finishing eighth place. Like, you shouldn't be finishing behind these guys. He was, at one point, my podium prediction for Moto 2 was correct because Canet was in third place. Canet should have easily battled with Acosta and Arbolino. He yeah. led the race here last year. If he wants to be yeah. a time contender, he should have been in that scrap for the win. He shouldn't be finished eighth place. Yeah, he, was, I think he should he be on that, that level. Yeah. Yeah. He knew it halfway through the race when he wasn't at the front and he wasn't getting to the front, I think was mm. the issue. And then I think he just got a bit desperate dare i say yeah potentially um, yeah um, it's uh, it's a strange one a strange one but um vietti as well starting on pole and finishing ninth jeez <laughs> like um, what the hell dude <laughs> yeah this guy's like been put from a gp seat last year and if no, you had said him, that vietti was pole last year i would have been like no, he's going to win the race. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whereas like it's a surprise, like it wouldn't have been a surprise this time last year for Vietti to get pole position. Whereas this year I seen Vietti was pole position. I was like, what the hell are you doing there? Yeah. Yeah. I was like, what? Uh, yeah. Because what he, he won at Qatar last year in the opening round by like eight seconds or something. Mm. He started, yeah. he started last year like he was just the foregone conclusion for the title and then it just he had, yeah, fell away. One of the, yeah. Best starts to a season we've yep. seen in a long time. Absolutely, bottled. Yeah, it. it's absolutely mental. I don't know what goes on his head, to be honest. Mm. Um, but yeah, like, yeah, I just don't understand. <laughs> it's just like it just blows me head. And another one, Joe Roberts. Oh, hmm. Don't speak to me about Joe Roberts. It's like the fact that he got beaten by Dennis Foggia as well. Like, what the hell's going on, bro? He's bro. lost. <laughs> like, bro, what's going on? You don't have to adapt to the American accent just because we were racing bro. in America. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's lost. He's really, really lost in this class, I think, at the minute. Um, last year, he had, obviously, a race win and a couple podiums. But you've seen at the end of last season, he's, he's struggling. Not, yeah, he's not in Doesn't seem the himself. right space. No. I like he it's does look good. good. One Rory Skinner. Yeah, oh, really good. Genuinely fully impressed by Rory. Yeah, fully impressed by Rory. He looks at home on that bike, and I fancy him. Let's go. <laughs> he looks. Oh my god, Cameron! <laughs> <laughs> Too fair. I could probably get him on the pod. You know, I'll you keep telling to... me this, and you just you keep dangling that I just carrot, don't but you never get him. Speak to anyone. You've got to let the man crush go wild here. Yeah, yeah. it'll happen. It'll happen. Um... <laughs> But yeah, and Zonta as well did really well in 17th. Yeah. You get close to that point, mm-hmm. into the point, into the point, sorry. Um, but yeah, solid Moto 2 race. And of course, Pedro Costa and Tony Arbolino, clear title favourites, I think, at this point. Yep. Scrapped for the race. Really impressive from both of them. Um, yeah, I'm very impressed. I'm glad someone's taken a step up in Tony Arbolino to battle against Pedro Acosta I think from the start of the season we all sort of thought Pedro Acosta was going to be up there and be pretty much the one to beat but I thought he was going to sort of run away with it and again I know we're only three races in so I can't really say too much but Tony Arbolino looks so solid on that bike yeah. like yeah, he does. so solid he has changed his mindset completely like he is in yeah. it to win it this year 
I think yeah, he looks so good. Arbelino has potentially got more consistency in him, but yeah. when Acosta's on mm. it, he's faster. Hard to be, but yeah, um, yeah I think he, he he's just potentially got yeah, like he'll make a mistake, he'll push a bit too hard. Like Arbelino's more of a veteran in the class, so to speak. So yeah. I think he's he's probably got more consistency in him, a bit more experience. So I think yeah. he might not get as many wins as Acosta, but no. he'll get less sort of DNFs or like random eighths and ninths and stuff. Well, he's been um, more consistent so far, yeah. which is impressive. He hasn't been off the podium yet. Yeah. So. Especially when it comes no. to the flyways towards the end of the season as well. Yeah, that's yeah. what he comes And he was good, good there like last year yeah. when we were in the flyways. Obviously, he won, he? won Thailand. He won, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, like... So. As well, Arbolino's now won more Moto2 races than he has Moto3 races. And he was freaking good in Moto3. He should have won the MotoGP champion. <laughs> yeah. MotoGP. <laughs> Moto3 championship. He should, yeah. <laughs> in 2020, I stand by it. He should have won it that year. Yeah, it is a shame. It is a shame. But yeah, he's he's doing super good. Um, a girl will be yeah. back though. A girl. I... I think he's he's already out of it. No, he he will come back, but I don't think he will affect the championship. But I think he'll be the one to sort of pick up the pieces when Tony and Pedro make mistakes, nah. or one of the ones to pick up pieces. Maybe I think that's. I don't more know. On... He's been injured, so we don't know what he's like this year. Like he was injured before the season started, so we don't know where his head's at. We don't know how good he is on the bike and. Like, if he's still licking his wounds after last year or what? Mm, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I think he's maybe... He might also be thinking, I don't want to injure myself anymore because he basically knows he's inheriting Nakagami's seat, doesn't he? Yeah. He's probably it's thinking... It's just a matter of time. Yeah, yeah, I'll just... I'll ride safe. I'll, you know, avoid injuries and just... just step up at the end of the season. I'll do my thing. He's probably already kind of um he's probably watching last week uh or you know this weekend watching Acosta and Arbolino and thinking I don't want to push that hard that would have been again men- yeah again <laughs> to yeah. probably get outdone by a KTM bike let's be honest um yeah and yeah he's probably like that's fine whatever I'm injured I'll just come back I'll focus on a strength and my own shit and then just Mm. just move up next year Good everyone's happy yeah, yeah. that's the way I see but you are well, apart from Takanakagami I know but uh, he knows it's happening yeah. as well doesn't he yeah he does let's be honest unfortunately he probably can't be honest well, um, he's probably fucking sick of that he's Honda like a fucking he's probably <laughs> this bloody yeah. thing getting a Ducati yeah, exactly <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's getting well, um, his retirement fund and he's out of there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, if, he can, if he can get out of this season unscathed, not have any life-changing injuries from this Honda, I think he's done all right, to be honest. Been I on agree. it for long enough. Um, yeah, and going to Moto3, we'll continue with their countrymen, with Ayuma Sasaki, who um, uh, cra- crashed again. <laughs> Like, he didn't just he's... crash. He got nearly sent to space at the same time. <laughs> that was Suzuki. <laughs> I <laughs> mean, does Suzuki have a crash? Suzuki had well, a high remember. side. Did he? Suzuki I didn't had see a it. high Shit. side. Sorry, he ran over toilet. Nearly had a high side. 
It was horrendous. It was a high side city. When Gabriel Rodrigo had been all over that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like, but yeah, like, Sasaki, like, he... <laughs> Basically, I'm sure he's sitting at home thinking, thank God I retired. <laughs> yeah. Like, thank Christ. God. But like, Sasaki just, like, bro, you're meant to be fighting for a championship here and you've crashed our last two races. Like Qatar last year. Now. Yeah. Stop. Literally like, like, where is he now? He is, oh my God, I'm scrolling down. I'm scrolling down. 16th. <laughs> Come on, eh. Dude. He's 16th. He's got 10 points. He's 39 points back already. That's pretty bad. Who's his first? He's on the same points as Scott Ogden. Holgado and Moreira are leading the championship. Oh, and yes, Scott, Scott has more points than Ayuma Sasaki. <laughs> Called it. Fucking Andrea <laughs> Mino has more points than him. <laughs> <laughs> Mino's in the top 10. It's incredible. Uh, yeah, no, he's 12 now, but he was Aww, six. He was in the top 10 yeah. anyway. It's a shame, really. Like, yeah, he's going to have to turn this around. But Peko came back from 90 points down. Sazaki can come back from 30-something. Right? 39. It is know. early, like, as we know. But Holgado's, I think, making brain moves here in He's being consistent. He's staying within the top five. And he's saying he's not getting involved. And I think that is smart. I think Holgado, well, I, you know, I said about, it's hilarious actually, a few podcasts ago, I mentioned these like Spanish riders that are the Spanish Armadas come through and the one, two, three, obviously Moreira's Brazilian, as I've mentioned, the one, two, three of this Moto3 race are all three of the riders that I have mentioned. Or oh, three yeah. of those riders with Holgado, Moreira and Artigas, one, two, three. Or Tola, oh, that's in the championship standings. Another rider I mentioned on that was Ivan Ortola, who freaking won the race. David Salvador is seventh. David Alonso, who was a rookie and has never been to the circuit before, was eighth place. And he's 16. He's the youngest kid on the grid. He'll come he's good. He's never even been here before. Oh, yeah. He'll come good. Like, the talent. And then Mareda, rookie, 10th place. Yeah. The talent that is on that grid at the moment is disgustingly good. Like... And it's all coming from Spain. Like, oh, yes, Alonso runs a Colombian flag, but he's born in, pretty sure he's born in Madrid. Um, Where are they all going to go in five years? That's the, that's the problem. The funnel is... They haven't <laughs> been brutal enough in MotoGP in the last couple of years. They need to be savage. Like, I could give you... If I wanted to be savage, I could give you six MotoGP riders to cut off right now. Go, go. Oh. Really? Go? go. Okay. Alessia Spargaro, uh, uh, if I was going to be a savage, Alessia Spargaro, Ralph Fernandez, uh, Takaki Nakagami, uh, Digi Antonio, Franco Morbidelli, and Zarco, if I was being savage. <gasps> I'd sack all those riders off. I agree with those. Maybe not I mean, Ralph. I agree with all of them, but... but... <laughs> I'd rather you said it than me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'd sack them all off because, and then you go into Moto 2, and I could be horrendously savage if you want me to. Oh, God, yeah. I'd sack off Jake Dixon, I'd sack off Delaporta, I'd sack off Marcus Ramirez, I'd sack off, we're going through the grid, Joe Roberts, I'd sack off Sam Lowe's, Albert Arenas, uh, uh, Vietti. Who loved Albert Arenas on this podcast? Was it Jacob? Uh, me. It was you? It's me as well. Yeah, I'd sack them all off if I was being savage Disgusting. for these Spanish riders. Disgusting. These Spanish... You changed you changed your mind pretty quick. You've changed. I know. You have? 
But that's the thing. If I'm being fully savage, like I still think Arenas has got stuff in him, but like because they need to be this savage because of the level of talent that's coming up. Because where the hell in the next few years is Moreira, Olgado, Artigas, Messiah's not got a chance. Uh, Suzuki's too old now. Otero, uh, if we're being savage. Otero uh, needs to go up. Munoz, if he can stop fucking murking everyone. Moreira, <laughs> Salvador at some point. Onshu, if he can actually start winning some races. David Alonso as well. Joel Kelso's got it in him. Colin Vaya. Ogden. Ogden. Ogden if he can it. get some He'll be the in. next Brit moving up. Yeah, 100%. If he can get these results in. And uh, freaking David Almanza, for example, is not even in the class full time and will get a seat next year, I can guarantee you, and he will be on it straight away. They haven't been it's... brutal since 2020 is the problem. They I need think... to be savage mm. with it because there are, when we go into this, you know, like Ivan Otola was a rookie last year. And then he comes to Moto3 full-time this year, nearly crashes T1 and makes the entire grid look like they're standing still, winning the race for his first ever win. Pedro Costa style. Yeah. Yeah. Like, the talent in Moto3 is ridiculous at the moment. Yeah. Moto2's got a lot of room to be making cuts and being pretty Shaved savage, I think. off. Yeah. Riders. But so does MotoGP is the thing. There are yeah. riders there. Like, I fully agree with all the names that have been mentioned. And unless they take a step up, what are you doing there? Yeah, like, like I was being maybe a bit harsh with Zarco because I don't know. Yeah, He's but been then there six years again, now. Like, yeah, Second will he ever win season? a championship? Second yeah, will he ever season. win a championship? Probably not. Could you get Tony Arbolino there, who could battle for podiums and wins? Yes, yeah. young blood. Zarco's one of the oldest riders on that grid. If Mark Marquez can't cut the mustard, I'm sorry, but... Pedro Costa's taking your seat. Yeah, like, if we're being savage, Mark Marquez is on that chopping board as well. Yeah. Yeah. Despite Because you're only as good as your last race in racing, and the thing is, like, there are a lot of riders who are there because of their passport, things like that, which I do hate. You know, Nakagami shouldn't really be there. If we're taking the passport out of it, there's plenty of Moto2 riders who could step up and should have stepped up really and would be really good. But yeah, but the fact that Artie Gas is finally coming good, if he can continue this momentum as well, he's third in the championship, that would be a massive confidence boost for him. <laughs> that was quite a long-winded um, like explanation <laughs> just to get back to Artie Gas yeah, there. I just realised that. <laughs> <laughs> but like Artie Gas, like we say about this, like these riders, you look in the top 10... And one, two, three, four, five, six, seven of them are the riders I mentioned in that Spanish Armada. Wow, all hail deck. Like, yeah. But it's it's incredible. And the fact that freaking Ortona's absolutely slapped them all up is hilariously incredible. Considering he's barely been there. Like, jamming Messia at this point, if he doesn't do it this year... Which he won't. No, he's going to be like Minyo. He's going to be a Moto3 veteran. And considering how much pedigree he came into the class with when he looked unbelievable in his first few rounds and things like that as a standing rider and then... I'll stand up for Messiah. Some people aren't built to move up. Like Lorenzo Dallaporta. Some people yeah. are Moto3 riders. Some people are Moto2 riders solely. Some people are yeah. solely MotoGP riders. And then you've got like super bikes, super sport, whatever. Yeah. Some people yeah. are just made to ride that one bike. Yeah, and John McPhee, perfect example. Yeah, yep. they're not made to move around. 
And I th- this is I why worry they should get rid that, of the age limits. Yeah, I worry that Jamin Messia is becoming one of is those a people. small by veteran, and there's nothing wrong with that. Angel Mieto made an entire career of yeah. it. He won 13, yeah, well, 12 plus one world titles in the lower classes. That's more than okay. But then Dorna needs to be able to do something that can protect this whilst also bringing new talent to the fore because you don't want riders like Andrea Migno, Ramono, Fanati on the grid when there are perfectly capable riders. I've got an idea. Come in and do it. Keep <gasps> the, the age idea? limit and then just start a new class. <laughs> oh my God. That- Reach the age limit. Imagine the talent. Yeah. That would be sick. Oh me, that'd be so Someone good. Someone sponsor like, me and I'll just run it myself. Yeah. Okay. European rounds only or whatever. Yeah. Or do it part of the Fim Chef, for example. Yep, yep. That'd sure be amazing. But yeah. Back onto the Moto 3 race. Um Stefano Nipper has a fractured leg according to Dorna's things, but I did read something else that said that he hasn't got a fractured leg. But I'm gonna go from Dorna, who said he's got a broken leg, from everybody's favourite um I'm trying to think of a thing, a word. Steamroller, maybe, David Munoz. Bowling uh, yes. ball is my personal favorite. Yeah, bowling ball's a good one. Mm-hmm. Like this kid does not learn his lessons whatsoever, does he? He's Dennis on two, three years ago. Yeah. yeah. But That's all this it is thing. But Munoz has been like this since he was about six years old. That's concerning. <laughs> like the amount of people I've spoken to of like, I remember them when this kid was like freaking four years old and he was clattering into, a, clattering into people, you know, and you're like, he doesn't learn his lesson. And even I freaking told him, I was like, when you get to the Moto3 World Championship, you can't still be doing this shit. And he's still doing this shit. And you're like- You mean he didn't listen can- to you? Oh yeah, I know. Didn't really? Listen to oh, Almighty Declan, like, come on, bro. Jeez. But like, Who you will not get snapped is? up. I know, right? but you will not get snapped up. Snapped up. Doesn't matter how many good results you have, you can't and will not get snapped up by top teams if you are have a reputation for crashing into people, smashing up bikes, and genuinely just disgracing the team and the sponsors and things like that because of your erratic maneuvers and ruining future races for yourself. He's got double long on that penalty. Heref because of it. Heref is a track I would have pipped him to win. They need to go harsher. They need to go harsher is the issue with them. Like he's a repeat offender. He's done it on multiple occasions. They need to do what they did with Dennis Onchu a couple of years ago. Give him race bans, step up the penalties and he will learn eventually. Like he's going to have to learn because if he keeps going the way he's going. Not only is he injuring other people, he's going to injure himself eventually yeah. if he keeps going on the way he's going. And he's going to get yeah. so many bloody race bans and basically a, a black flag against his name. Like people, yeah. like you said, people aren't going to want them sort of thing. But they, in Moto3, should step up the penalties a lot faster. Repeat offenders yeah, should. should be penalised. cut this out. Yeah. Like, of all the riders of Moto3, I'm... Most kids are worried about Munoz. You don't have to speak to Joel Kelso um, <laughs> to get his opinion on Tavon yeah. Munoz. Um, mm. But he just needs to sort it out because, you know, you if the broken leg is actually a thing, obviously because there are two conflicting things now, if he has broken Stefano's Nipper's leg after he broke it last year, you're not only damaging your own races, you're ruining other riders' potential careers. Yeah. Yeah, that you know, leg break like, last year was scary. We were talking about yeah. this crash before we started recording. Like, we watched Stefano Nepa's leg break oh, in that crash. Hard. And yeah. if it's the same leg and, like, if that's caused the same injury sort of thing, I'd be mm. so worried because 
there's only so many times you can fix that a sort of thing bone, as yeah. marquez would tell you you know <laughs> yeah um but yeah it's like you know at this point he's like not only a danger to himself he's now endangering other riders like because nepa is every rider on the grid is in the hunt for a seat next year from the second the wheels start spinning at Portimao, riders and teams are looking around to see what's about. The teams want every rider. And if Nepa can't prove himself, thankfully though, I think the fact that he's got Alessandro Tanucci as a team manager will help him. Uh, Tanucci even put a thing up today. It was like, always with you, Nepa, which is really nice. Do like Tanucci for that. Um, but Munoz has a chance to ruin other people's careers. doesn't matter for Munoz. He's 16. He's got loads of time left in Moto3. But for a kid like Nepa, I think he's 23, time's running out and he wants a Moto2 seat, I'm sure, in the next few years. And if he can't prove himself because he's sat on the sidelines for so long because of a broken leg because Munoz can't make a clean move, then yeah, this is why bans need to be in place. Yeah, big time. Hmm. But yeah, um, moving on. What do you think of Dennis Onshu this race? He finished sixth. I've put on the notes. I expect more from him. Yeah, I was wanting him up. Yeah, pretty much at the, yeah. on the top Because he was, he was 9.5 seconds away from the winner. Really? In sixth. Holgado was six, 0.6, meaning Onshu was very firmly in that second group behind the rider that replaced him, that he replaced, sorry, in the IO squad. They did a swap, Holgado and Onshu swap places. Has Onshu ever had a good race at Coda though? Like he caused um, that serious crash yeah. there a couple yeah, of years ago. In 2022, what did, like I don't remember him doing anything. No, I'll have a look. I'll get it up now quick. Um, so he didn't race 2019. What the fuck is ANC? Oh, that's uh, 2020. That's fine. Ignore that. Um, America, fifth place in 2021. And, and what, then obviously. Sixth? And then last year he got fifth place again. And he oh, got sixth go. this year. So it's about okay for but now he's in the IO squad. Now he's a championship yeah. contender. He right, where's the championship classification? Hilariously. Where the frick is it gone? There it is. Right. Holgado leading the championship, who obviously did the swap with Onchu, as we said. Diogo Moreira was meant to ride for the IO squad as well but lost out because Onshu stayed there. The top two riders, and then Jaume Messier in fourth, all three riders are higher than him in the championship. All three of them have either raced for that team or were going to race for that team at some point. He's even being beaten by his teammate, Jose Antonio Rareda, who is a freaking rookie in the championship. Onshu was signed to win the championship so that he can get a Moto2 seat with the same team next year. And he is so far down the order already I don't know, I'm contradicting myself because I've already been calling like, oh, so-and-so's going to win the championship or be involved in the fight yeah. this year. But with Onchu, I'm like, we're three races in. Yeah, mm. we need to give like, him time, of course. There's Absolutely. so long left. I yeah. am slightly disappointed, but then at the same time, when you look at the last couple of years now, you sort of realise seems about right for him. Yeah. I think... He'll come good. He will come good. He knows he's got to win the race. He did throw it away in Argentina last weekend, but yeah, you know he knows not to make that mistake again, sort of thing. I don't know. I think he will come good, or I expect I so. him to come good later on yeah, in the I fully season. And that he's, he's got enough time that I wouldn't be worried at this stage if I was Dennis Onchu. But I yeah. mean, in, at halfway through the season, if things haven't changed, obviously there's an issue there, and 
you know, they maybe made the wrong call, but in Anju's case, three races in, mm. we'll just we'll just chill out about it for, for now, but keep an eye on it sort of thing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Sounds good. Okay. Um, one last thing before we go on to predictions. We were all raving about Andrea Mignot and the story of his career, insanely inconsistent at the next race. Kind of obvious why he doesn't have a seat, unfortunately. Sadly, yeah. yeah. Um, would have been good to see him yep. up there again, but I said, but then I get his quota. Do you know if it had been European track? Who knows? Mm. But here we are. Who knows? Everyone was on I the same home track. Home race, yeah. Home race, yeah. Italy or something. It would have. I I can see them winning it or something. I see him get a wild card, like mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. He'll be back. Yeah. It's not the last we'll see of him. No, absolutely not. Okay, right. Moving on to predictions. I'm not going to read out the uh, points because it confuses everybody. But I'll read out the points as people score them instead. Okay. So. For Moto3, going into the weekend, uh, the points were standing as uh, myself in the lead with 20, no, with 37, Cameron second, 23, and Lauren with 14 and four, third, sorry. Um, finishing fourth and the fourth and a third. Don't put hurdles in my way that I <laughs> don't need, apparently. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Um, right, so Moto3, pole position was Yami Messia. Myself and Cameron went for Sasaki and Lauren went for Macias. Nice. Yeah. Legend. The Moto 3 podium was Ortola, then Macias, then Artigas. I went for Onchu, Suzuki, Marrera, zero points. Cameron went for Sasaki, Ogden, Munoz, zero points. <laughs> Lauren went for Macias, Onchu, Holgado. You get a point. Nice. Go on, so, Jamie Macias. Who would have thought <laughs> yeah. he'd be scoring me points this weekend? I know. So Lauren's up to 16 points now. Wow. <laughs> Moving to Moto2, it was Vietti on pole. I went for Acosta, Cameron Salach, Lauren Dixon. I went for Canet, Arbolino and Acosta. Could have had all three there. Arbolino was second, so I get five points. And Acosta was first, and I put him third, so I get a point. So I scored six points. Cameron went for Acosta, Arbolino, Gonzalez. He scores 15 points. Oh no, I've screwed this up. And Lauren went for Arbolino to win. Dixon second, Cannot third, so she scores a point. Oh, I thought I had a cost in there too. Yeah, I'm an idiot. No. Oh, do you know what it was? I said I didn't trust him after last week. You did. I oh, yeah. remember it. Yeah. I, remember yeah. it. I, was, yeah. I was watching the race being like, Lauren, you should always trust our Lord and Saviour, yeah. Pedro Acosta. Yeah, Pedro Acosta. Oh, God, Costa. that's the last time I ever doubt him again don't doubt Pedro yeah so the points tally leaving that is myself on 43 Cameron on 38 and Lauren was 17 oh Jesus oh. Christ yeah. I really thought so, that was me when you said that someone made a jump in points I was like I am on the money no I am on the not. Money. so heading to the MotoGP class it was by Naira on pole I went for Marquez Cameron Martin Lauren Marini oh. the actual pole and then for the Sprint race victor. I went for Alex Marquez. Cameron went for Bang Naya. Gets 10 points. And Lauren went for Miller. In the actual race, it was Rins Marini and Cotteraro. I went Zarco Bazzetti Marini. So I get a point. Cameron went for Marquez Bazzetti Binder. So yeah. he scored zero. And Lauren went for Bazzetti Marini Cotteraro. I can't believe it happened. So I get a point. Cameron gets 10. Lauren gets 10. 
So the final standings, leaving Cota is Cameron in the lead with 48. Let's myself go. Myself in second with 44. <laughs> <laughs> and Lauren in third with 27. So you're not that far behind, to be How fair. How far behind am I? Like 20 you points? Are 27 minus, 44 minus 27 off the top of my head. 17. I can't remember. There you go. 17, yeah. So, yeah. Um... It's all to play for, guys. It's all to play for. It's all to play for. The fact that Cameron went from 23 to 48, more than doubled his tally in one weekend. That's juicy. It's all to to play for. That's just quota things, though, you know. We'll get to Europe and I'm going to be off it. That's what happened last year. I'm pretty (laughs) sure I started strong and then it just went. That's the flyaways. Yeah, you had the leaf ages. the flyaways. Yeah, it's always the flyaways. But yeah, um, I think that's all we've got time for. It's hard, nearly it's past 11 o'clock at night now. We're all tired. It's true. Um, We're nocturnal yeah. at this point, guys. Yeah, we are. That's my fault. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. But yes, I hope you've enjoyed this podcast. And we're back next time with the Hareth predictions and whatever else. We haven't talked about Marquez quickly, very quickly. Oh, which one? Um, <laughs> they've suspended Marquez's sentence for double long oh, penalty. Yeah, execution. Sorted. Yeah. That's all we need. Um, I think he's about to go up like on a stage somewhere. Yeah, and get his head, no, head lopped off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yes, I um, hope you've enjoyed listening. And we're back next time. Thank you. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.